Breadbox Media Programming is brought to you by... Introducing the redesigned CatholicSingles.com, featuring new ways that put the spotlight on the person and their faith, not just a profile picture. For the past 20 years, faithful Catholics have used CatholicSingles.com, and the reimagined CatholicSingles.com website is ready to help single Catholics take the next step in sharing meaningful relationships with other faithful Catholics. Remember, CatholicSingles.com, for faith, fellowship, and love. Hello, this is international Catholic singer Anna Nuzzo, inviting you to join me and Father Dan Cambra of the Marian Fathers on a select international tour's Divine Mercy pilgrimage to Poland and the Czech Republic. It takes place in September of 2019, and we would love for you to join us. For more information, go to my website, AnnaNuzzo.com. Thank you, and God bless. Welcome to the Champions Podcast with your hosts, Mike Rubin and Coach Phil. The podcast where we share stories of faith being activated through sports. Welcome to episode number five of the Champions Podcast. Alongside Coach Phil Albert, I'm Mike Rubin, and we are so excited that you have joined us. If this is your first time that you've checked us out, our vision is that we will interview college, professional, former professional athletes and coaches, and have them share their faith journey. And today we have a great interview on our hands. But first, Coach, how are you? Well, I'm doing great, Mike. It's always good to be with you, and it's uh, as always, I'm looking forward to hearing Dan's testimony today and. Uh, whoever else God puts on our heart. Absolutely. Like Coach said, um, we, we are extremely excited about the podcast. We have another first on our hands. Last week we had our, our last episode, we had our first softball player. This week we have our first wrestler and our first coach. We'll be joined by former two-time Penn State All-American wrestler Dan Valamont. Dan's from New Jersey. He was a four-time NCAA qualifier. Um, he wrestled at Penn State from 2005 to 2010. He finished with an overall record of 110 and 36. He finished second at the 2010 NCAA Division One Championships at 165 pounds, finishing that season with a 30 and nine record. He's continued wrestling since then. He's a two-time U.S. World Team Trials qualifier. Um, he was a member of the U.S. Freestyle World Cup and and Entering the U.S. Open Championships this week, he enters the pre as a preceded number five. And on the coaching side, um, he coached five years as an assistant coach for Hofstra, and he served as an interim assistant coach at uh, University of Pennsylvania. And so he comes with it on both ends. He's got a wealth of experience, and he's got a great testimony. And so we are so excited for you to hear that. And here's our interview. Dan, welcome. We are so glad to have you on the podcast today. I'm so excited for this podcast and for our listeners to know more about you and your journey with the Lord. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, guys. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. We are, we're excited, and we trust that God is going to do amazing things with your story today and that those who listen will be impacted by your faith journey and also inspired by how you use the platform God gave you. So if it's okay with you, we're going to have Coach open the podcast up in prayer. 
Absolutely. Amen. So, well, you know, it's so exciting to have you with us, Dan. And I also agree with Mike that, you know, that the Holy Spirit would prepare the hearts of everybody who hears, that they might uh, be motivated, that they might be excited about asking Christ to come into their life. So I pray today, Lord, you said if two or more would have gathered your name, that there will you be. So I thank you for your presence, even though there's no distance with you, Lord. So we thank you, Lord, for your presence. And we just ask, Lord, right now that all that we say and do would honor you. We thank you, Dan, for taking time. We appreciate your time. And we look forward to this testimony in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, Dan, just give us a little background on on your faith. I mean, has that always been the center of who you are? Um, so that's a good question. Uh, I, I was very fortunate to grow up in a Christian home. Uh, both my parents were born again Christians, and I uh, actually uh, lived in kind of close. I live in Philadelphia currently, but when I was really young in kindergarten, first grade, I lived in Exeter, which is near Reading, Pennsylvania. I'm actually pretty close to here. And I remember in kindergarten one day, um, I came home from school and uh, my parents kind of, I went to a Christian school, Burke's Christian school there. So um, I was familiar with what Christianity was at a child's level, I guess. I guess. And uh, I mean, we went to church at the same place I went to school every weekend. But I remember specifically the one night my mom my dad came in my room and asked me if I wanted to accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, and um, I did, and I accepted Christ right then and there. Uh, from that point on, it, I, I don't know if I fully, fully understood what I was um, accepting as a kid. I mean, I loved Jesus, and I loved everything about it, but knowing what I know now compared to what I knew as a, as a, as a child, it's I mean, miles apart, obviously. Um, but... That being said, I, I did get baptized when I was younger. I went through a class through my school um, at Burke's Christian School, and uh, I made the decision that I wanted to be baptized, and I, I was fully aware of what I was going through, and it wasn't like I, I was just kind of forced into it. I, I understood what I was doing, and I made the decision to be baptized. So I think at an un, a young age, I was making those kind of decisions in, for the right reasons, uh, but I don't think I fully understood exactly what I was doing, um, the, the, the scale of it, I guess. So do you remember a moment when your faith became real when, you know, was there a crossroads moment for, for you where it was like, okay, my faith is real. It's not just my parents. Was there, was there something like that for you? I can't say that I had like one of those, uh, like Damascus road experiences like Paul, but I did, we, my family moved to New Jersey when I was uh, after first grade. So second grade through eighth grade, I went to a Christian school and my mom was a teacher. So I was around like-minded people very often. I competed in sports in my, my hometown, which ended up being the high school. I'd go to a public school. And once I got there, that was kind of where I wouldn't say I um, got away from my faith. I had exposure to a lot more things than I had um, from the time that I had been a child going up through eighth grade. And I knew a lot of people through through wrestling, through baseball, football, soccer. And I had a lot of friends that were doing the right things, not necessarily Christians, but staying out of trouble and not getting into the drugs and alcohol and that kind of stuff. So I wouldn't say that 
again, I wouldn't say I strayed away from my faith too much, but I kind of maybe started to get a little relaxed with it. And I would say that continued even further once I went to college. Uh, my first few years at, years at college was my first time that I didn't really have a, a home church to go to. And I mean, that was on me. That was my own fault for not really seeking one out. And I think it was just kind of a little bit of laziness. It just became kind of easy to to not go to not wake up early and go to a church on Sunday morning. And the excuse was always, well, I don't really have a home church here. And and it was it was a lame excuse. Uh, I would say my first couple years in college, I, I I enjoyed myself in in ways that I probably shouldn't have. I made some decisions I probably shouldn't have. Nothing that would have permanent effects or anything negatively towards for me, but things that if I could go back, that I probably would have done differently. But at the same time, I think some of those um, those decisions resulted in a feeling of emptiness and uh, longing for something more more fulfilling. Ultimately, before I was done with college, I would say halfway through my junior year, I kind of started to realize that I needed to get um, Christ back in my life more and, and rather and not just be a, a fair weather Christian, just kind of going through the motions as I feel like I had been for a few years. So I started meeting with, um, we have Athletes in Action on campus at Penn State, and we had a weekly Bible study with the wrestling team. But I started kind of taking it further than that and meeting one-on-one with um with him and I'm um, just kind of talking about life and uh, I didn't I didn't really hold anything back from him I, I told him everything about me everything that had been going on and it was very refreshing and I don't know I think it helped mature me uh, kind of going through what I think a lot of college students go through the, the temptations and the freedom that you have being away from home and I'm sure a lot of people would also say the same thing they felt that that emptiness and that that regret or remorse or whatever it may be, and then they try to fill those things with, with, with the wrong things, I guess, for lack of a better word. So I would say, yeah, after my junior year and starting to meet um, with that pastor, really kind of started to put me back on a, a better trajectory. And it didn't change overnight, I don't think. Uh, I was still young, still 22, I think. I would say the first time I took a real big step from that point on was after I graduated college and had been hired at Hofstra University uh, to be an assistant wrestling coach there. I had found a, a local church in the town I was living in, and I, I really liked the pastor. And he had given a message one day about just being in posi- a position to, to do something and, and just feeling that tug on your heart from God to, to go and take action rather than waiting for somebody else to do it. And I felt as though I was in a position like that at Hofstra where we didn't have – um, athletes in action or FCA or any other kind of Christian organization on campus. And we had some guys on the team that, that knew that I was a Christian, knew I was a believer, uh, would ask me questions here and there. I had never led a Bible study. I'm kind of quiet, actually. I don't, <laughs> I don't like being the one to speak in front of big groups of people unless I'm talking about wrestling usually. <laughs> um, but I kind of went out of my way and met with the entire team and, and, and offered up the opportunity for them to meet with me and kind of start a Bible study uh, going going through this book. And it was very helpful. This guy, Michael Fessler, uh, who was a wrestler who came up with a book um, called God in Wrestling. And it kind of linked Christianity and, and faith with the sport of wrestling. So it was kind of a, a smooth transition for me there to be able to kind of read through this book with these guys and meet with them on a weekly basis and lead this Bible study and, and really see them grow. And I think that was kind of a turning point for me when I really – um, stop being passive and 
and um, became active, actively trying to help others grow in their faith and at the same time grow in my own. Obviously, you had a ton of success in high school wrestling. You had a ton of success in college wrestling. Um, was there, you know, and, and then you said in your junior year, you kind of started uh, feeling just this emptiness and des- this desire, you know, to walk more with the Lord. Was there a point that you can look back? Did you find your identity in athletics? And then was, if so, when you started that junior year walking more with the Lord, did that kind of change uh, how you approached wrestling at all? I wouldn't say that I ever found my identity in athletics. In, in I don't think that was the issue. I just think I kind of, it was more that I just kind of wanted to, not wanted to, but I kind of went, went with the flow and just kind of hung out with the crowd and didn't want to uh, upset the status quo or whatever like that everybody else was doing. And so I, I just kind of was not, I was just kind of quiet about my faith, I guess, and not standing up necessarily for what I believed in at times. I mean, I, I definitely loved wrestling. Uh, I wouldn't say that I, I made it an idol in my life. Uh, even in college, I don't think I, or in high school, I don't think I ever had that. Um, I would say that as I've gotten older and specifically since I've started training and competing again at the, the senior and Olympic level, uh, I've realized how it's been more about being grateful for the opportunities that I have. Um, it's not about winning matches. It's, it's about going out and being able to compete to the absolute best of my ability and use the gifts that I've been given by God in, in the best way that I can. Just being able to, to give my full effort is something that my coach always tells me to. And being able to give my full effort, if I can do that, I'm honoring God and um, I'm, I'm leaving it all out there, so to speak. And regardless of the outcome, I mean, the outcome to an extent is out of my control. I can I can give my best effort and, and just be thankful for the opportunity I have to compete in the sport um, at this level still. So I think as I've gotten older, I've started to really appreciate that and live by that more. Um, when I was younger, it's I don't know, I guess it's easy when you're younger to kind of just think, well, I'm going to be able to do this forever. And the whole getting older thing doesn't it's not something you really think about. But when you actually are getting older and it hurts to get out of bed sometimes. It's uh, you start to have a different perspective on it, and and you're just thankful for for those opportunities and and the opportunities to, to positively positively impact other people um, through that as well. Yeah, and just kind of touch on that a little bit the the positively impacting other people because you know I often hear coaches speak as they uh, you know maybe have ten fifteen twenty years down their belt and you know coach coach and I have talked about this a little bit but you start off your coaching career um, very transaction oriented you know what I mean it's about the championships it's about the wins and losses and then at some point in time that shifts to where you realize it, it it's all about being transformational. You know, and, and you're talking about your walk with the Lord and how in Hofstra you kind of started a Bible study. Did you intentionally coach at that point from a transformational standpoint where you were going after these guys' hearts and realizing, I mean, you had tasted success on the mat, you had tasted defeat on the mat, and you realize that at the end of the day that all comes to an end, but the walk, your walk with the Lord is what matters in the long run. Yeah, I would say that, I mean, obviously I still wanted my guys to win, <laughs> win matches and, and stuff like that just because that, that was my job. But it, uh, I also found myself talking specifically to the guys that I knew were believers and just dealing with anxiety, which is something that and throughout my career I've sometimes dealt with. 
in competing and really trying to help them not be so worried about the outcome and things they can't control and and looking at it from a Christian perspective where again it's it's just being grateful for the opportunity to compete and just giving it everything you have seeing some of these these guys specifically some of them were, were seniors so I only had them like one year with that Bible study but the ones who were younger kind of seeing them grow um, in their faith and through the way they competed and handled themselves after winning and losing uh, that was very rewarding to me I mean that's not what it's all about but it, it was it confirmed that I was I was doing some of the right things and, and having an impact on them which was which was really cool there's no question about that Dan you know I think one of the things you said earlier, we can't, as coaches uh, or athletes, we can't control the outcome. Uh, we can't control being the best, but we can control doing our best. And, you know, sometimes that's the example again. That's what people, uh, the people are looking at us, are looking at us from a distance, maybe, maybe not even too far distance, but are you doing your best? Are you spending yourself? And so I used to tell our athletes, you know, that all the time. We can't control being the best. We can control doing our best. Uh, I think also as a coach, as a athlete, it's also a wonderful platform. And I think that's a ticket. I know in my career, you know, I coached 29 years at the college level, seven years professionally, five years uh, as a volunteer high school coach in between jobs. Uh, you know, the the platform to give gives you the opportunity to share your faith. And I think that's what you're doing. That's what you want to continue to do, I would assume. And, and uh, as you grow older, you know, whether we win that championship or we don't, or we win that match or we don't, or whether that game or we don't really becomes irrelevant in the long haul. And uh, I, I admire you for the, that, that saying those types of things. Uh, but I know when, when I came to Christ, that was the whole idea that, uh, you know, now, you know, that football for me was the platform uh, where to invest. Now, I still wanted to win championships. I still wanted to be coach of the year. I still wanted to be undefeated. I still all that. But now the the byproduct changed. We didn't we didn't talk about those things because those things have become the byproduct. But at the same time, uh, we want to do those now not to bring uh, glory to me, but to be able to. Uh, share Christ and bring glory to him. So you have a wonderful platform and uh, it's, you know, and there's so many young men, you know, if FCA statistics are anywhere close, they say something like 68% of high school athletes come from single parent homes. So regardless of the number you have, they're yours and a tremendous opportunity to uh, make a difference in their life. Definitely. So you had mentioned that one thing you had dealt with in wrestling and something you saw that your wrestlers had dealt with was anxiety and is there any scripture that you kind of leaned in on that kind of uh, truth that went when you were thinking those anxious thoughts when you were going through that anxiety just truth that you uh told yourself or read you know god's truth that you replaced those lies with was there any scriptures that kind of clung to you um i mean i have like a few things because even even now when i compete um, I'll, I'll get, I'll still get nervous before matches and, sure. and, yeah, and I'm 32 and it's still, I mean, it's, it, and, and nerves, nerves are a good thing if they're used correctly. Right. When you so, quit being, when you quit, uh, being anxious, uh, Dan, it's time to hang them up. You got to have a little anxiety. You got to have, you got to have a little something going on in that belly before you go out there. 
Yeah, yeah, those butterflies got to yeah. be coming up a little bit. But yeah. I mean, I have a few things that I'll I'll kind of just recite in my head. Um, like, God has not given us a spirit of, of fear, but of power, love, and self control. Uh, I mean, I mean, Philippians four thirteen is it's very cliche. Everybody knows, but it's one of my favorite verses. Uh, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I mean, a lot of Philippians in general, forgetting what is behind, looking, striving towards what is ahead. Um, I mean, there's on any given day, it could be, it could be anything. And it, it's funny how <laughs> the right verse seems to, uh, kind of pop up at the right time, whether I hear it on the radio or open up my Bible and there it is, or it's on like, it's the verse of the day. It's, um, I don't think it's coincidence, but it's, uh, at certain times when you're feeling that anxiety as an athlete, I mean, and I'll be honest, even this week leading up to the U.S. Open, there's there's some days when I'm losing weight and preparing that um, the enemy tries to creep in and attack you in those places. And it's um, important that you have some ammo in, in your back pocket and, and having the truth of God's word to combat that, you know. Amen. Amen. Now, you, you are still – you do uh, have the luxury that you are still competing. You're still performing at a um, high enough level that you're heading into, the like you said, the U.S. Open, correct? The U.S. Open? Yep. Okay, the U.S. Open this weekend. And I believe you're the number five seed. Is that – do I have that accurate also? Uh, yeah, uh, in the pre-seeds, yeah. So that won't be finalized until – the day before the tournament or the morning of, I guess. But okay. as of now, yeah, I'm the, I'm the five seed. Awesome. Well, I, there are some people that are very uh, outward and open about their faith, you know, and they're just going to share it around the locker room. And then there are other guys that just kind of live a life that they just want, hey, I just want to resemble Christ, you know, in the way that I carry myself. And so, you know, um, you've mentioned that you're a quieter person. And so how do you witnessed how do you how do you kind of share your faith with the guys that you're wrestling with the guys on your training team is it something you do outward in public because we have athletes high school college we have coaches high school college that listen to this podcast that have the whole spectrum of personalities and so you know not everybody's a stand up in front of the room want to be in front of 10,000 people so how do you navigate sharing that yeah i mean that's a good question so i think that may have been part of my problem when I was younger, uh, where I was just kind of expecting uh, people to just know I was a Christian and that, that was good enough. But uh, one thing I started doing, like the, I would say the very first step I took that was kind of practical for me was uh, just posting a verse every day on my Facebook and my Twitter account. And it it was just kind of a habit I got into. And I think it the be days I'd post a verse that I was like, ah, this one, I don't even know if I want to post this one. It just doesn't seem like it would be useful. And go figure, I'll get it like a, a private message from somebody um, saying, Dan, this is exactly what I needed to hear. Or or maybe somebody would comment and and have a question about understanding, like, well, why, like, why does God let these kind of things happen? Or um, or something like that, or people would actually talk to me in person about the verse I would post. And uh, that kind of uh, was kind of how I started being a little bit more vocal through social media. And I was amazed at how many people uh, responded in a positive way to that. And it opened up a lot of really good conversations. Um, so I started there, and I, I still wouldn't say that I'm extremely vocal. 
all all the guys at UPenn and Drexel, I think, would attest to this, that they know that myself and my three other teammates that are doing the same thing I'm doing, competing, and our coach are are all very um, strong Christian believers, and, and we have our own little Bible study, and we're always, we're very open. It's right in the... Um, the lounge of like the wrestling room area so the guys are walking in and out anytime anybody's in there they'll see us having our bible study and um we welcome anybody to come join us and sometimes some of the guys will sit in with us which is great um and that's what uh, mike honicky leads for us with the with you guys at fca but um which it's it's been good because i'm not necessarily um preaching to these guys but it's asking if they like for example yesterday just sending a text out to people saying hey does anybody um, looking for a church to go to, you're welcome to come to mine, or just things like that, I guess. Or, hey, I see you're struggling with this. Is everything all right? And just sitting down, having a conversation with the kid, and and seeing if there's there's some sort of wisdom I could um, impart from from God's word, or or some some kind of situations like that occur with with college guys. You know, they're they're always going through. Um, there's a lot of life change going in, on in college, a lot of growth, and a lot of uh, growing pains. And so if you're a college kid who hasn't gone through some, some trouble and you, with, without needing somebody to talk to, then I would say you're in the vast min- minority and, no um, be, and being able to be there and some, some spiritual wisdom on them, I think is, it's just a great opportunity to, to have a positive impact on them. If you're talking to a high school kid right now who, um, for whatever reason, maybe there is FCA at their school and they're just not involved because maybe the huddle meets too early in the morning or whatever, you know, like you said, whatever excuse there is. But what would you say about the value of making it a priority to get to that, to be a part of that community who is supporting each other, feeding into each other, helping each other grow? I mean, what, what would your encouragement be to them? What would your words of advice be? Uh, I, I would say like the the biggest thing from it is just knowing that you're not going through um, whatever it is you're going through alone, and and being able to have a a group of believers around you that are going to listen to whatever it is you're going through, um, a group of people that you can just open up to and and not have to hide anything about who you are, who are truly concerned about helping you and and they want the best for you. And I, I just think that's, it's so important. And in my life, I, I am so thankful for the group of Christian men that I'm able to meet with. And, um, I can be completely open with them with whatever it is that I may be struggling with. And I mean, we're going to rally around each other and, and support each other and build each other up. And it's, it's hard to go through things like that on your own. Uh, I know there's so many, so many obstacles people go through and, They've tried to go through them alone. I've I've tried to go through things alone, and it's it's very hard to do that. Um, so having some some people around you to pick you up, or having people around you to hold you accountable, or whatever it may be, um, having that group of believers in your life is is just so important. That's awesome, Dan. I'm so thankful for you sharing your testimony, for you giving us insight, um, and and now we're going to transition to arguably my favorite segment and it's called Eli wants to know and I'm going to bring my seven-year-old son seven and a half-year-old son Eli onto the podcast with us and he's going to ask a hard-hitting question that I'm sure all of America wants to know so Eli are you ready yeah all right Dan are you ready oh yeah all right ask away E how does it feel to win a wrestling match 
how does it feel to win a wrestling match? I would say winning a wrestling match is one of the most rewarding um, athletic uh, accomplishments that for that I've ever uh, experienced. Just because it's just you, and you don't have your whole team out there, uh, you don't have really anybody else to blame or anything like that. And once the wrestling match is over and you get your hand raised, it's because you went out and and you executed your moves and and you did what you had to do to win that match. So I think it's it's really really exciting to be able to to go out and win a wrestling match at any level. I think it's, it's, it's just, uh, it, it shows you or it, it confirms in you that your training was worth it. It, it, it definitely teaches you a lot of, uh, just skills that will be helpful later in life about putting in time and effort and discipline, hard work and things like that. Things that you probably don't appreciate that much or understand that you're learning those lessons when you're young, but when you get older, you realize, um, that those things help turn you into a man. And another good thing about that is a lot of employers like wrestlers for those exact reasons. That's good. <laughs> All right, Dan. So that was an awesome job by Eli. Now we're going to transition into our final segment, which is called three and out. And so we asked the same three questions across the board to all of our guests. And so our first question is, what is the last book that you read? The last book that I finished was called Chase the Lion by Mark Batterson, mm. um, pastor down at a church in D.C. I read his first, uh, the prequel to that, um, In a Pit with a Lion on a Snowy Day. Very good, uh, I think, for athletes specifically. Just a really good book about just being a go-getter and kind of, um, I don't know, getting after it. And just started actually another book that uh, I think I'm really going to like, uh, Tim Tebow's book. Uh, called This Is The Day, um, really uh, just kind of about um, taking advantage of every day that we're given and because you never know. can't plan for tomorrow. We don't, we don't know what we're going to have tomorrow. Each day has enough trouble of its own, of its own right? So, Absolutely. Um, just maximizing every day you have. Every day is an opportunity. Absolutely. We'll move on to the second question. You're on a road trip. What are you listening to? So... It depends. If I'm by myself, I'm a big podcast guy. I listen to a lot of podcasts if I'm by myself. But if my wife's in the car, she'll be sleeping. If I'm <laughs> listening to podcasts, she just she just can't do it. So, um, but she if she's in the car, typically I probably probably listen to the country. Okay, some good country music, especially. I mean, we usually take road trips in the summertime when the weather's nice. Uh, so yeah, I would say some country music or. Just whatever is popular on the radio, not too picky. Okay. But, and what podcasts do you listen to? Uh, I listen to – so I actually listen to Mark Batterson, um, his church. I actually listen to a lot of a lot of pastors, um, church out in Colorado Springs that my my coach used to go to out near the Olympic Training Center called um, Discovery. Uh, listen to them. Listen to Elevation. I actually like uh, Stephen Furtick. Um, Amen. Cross Cross Point Church down in Nashville is another big one that I like. Uh, so I listen to them, and then I'm my church here in Philly. When I mean I'm I'm traveling a lot for wrestling, so I miss our church services a lot. So I end up having to catch them on on the podcast. They don't stream them live. Okay. Uh, 
so I listen to all of them, and then I listen also to outside of that um, side hustle school. Mm-hmm. Uh, Absolutely, it's just very interesting to me. And um, I listen to Dave Ramsey's podcast a lot. That's great. That's awesome. Financially free. Amen <laughs> to that. The, our last question, and this is what all of America wants to know: They're making a movie about your life. Who plays you? <laughs> Uh, this is such a hard question because it really just depends on like what movies I've seen lately. I mean, I watched Game of Thrones last night, so I'd want to say like I want to be Kit Harrington, but like I don't think that's really accurate of me. So, <laughs> uh, I, I was thinking about this earlier, and I I don't know why, but I'm kind of drawn to say Chris Pratt. Mm, from uh, Parks and Rec. Yes, from there, from Guardians of the Galaxy, from uh, Jurassic Park. Um, I like him, and I also like Bradley Cooper. Okay. Even though I can't think of a single athletic movie that they're in, but <laughs> they do both do a lot of varying roles. And they, they can step in, and they both have a, a similar sense of humor to me in their movies, I think. And, I mean, they're both better looking than me, so I need somebody <laughs> like that in there, and they're both probably way taller than me because i'm short so i would want them to make me look good well i will say i've seen some pictures of you and chris pratt definitely doesn't have the hair that you have you know (laughs) (laughs) so you know for us men with receding hairlines we're envious of the long locks that you had at least Uh, i don't have see i don't have them anymore i lived in long island i lived on the beach i had them there and then i moved to philly and now i'm at upenn i gotta have more of an ivy league haircut okay okay and my wife my wife would never have let me get married with long (laughs) hair so i had to get rid of the surfer haircut but i am thankful that my what do they say it's your mom's your mom's dad is what your hair goes Mm. by i don't know if that's true but my grandfather um had a full head of hair while he was still alive so i'm i'm confident that i can Uh, I should be in good shape at least. (laughs) Well, that's awesome. And again, we totally thank you for your time here. And uh, we just, we are excited to follow you at the U S open championships. Thank you. Thank you very much. Just a quick update from the podcast due to some technical difficulties. We weren't able to launch it as quickly as we had hoped. And so when you're listening to this, Dan has already competed in the U S open um, it had its ups and downs. He got upset in the first round, but battled back to win five straight matches and qualified for the world team trials, which will take place in two weeks. And so, uh, he and I talked a little bit since then. He said it wasn't pretty, but he qualified. And so he's going to spend the next two weeks just really focusing on his training. And, um, that way when the team trials come, he'll be ready for him. So we continue to wish him the best of luck for that. What a great interview with Dan. He has an awesome testimony. And, you know, Coach, testimonies don't oft, always have to be extreme. Well, no question. You know, uh, in fact, uh, probably more testimonies are those uh, guys who, like in my own personal life, I grew up in a home where my mother and father were Christians. We went to church, but I never really connected how what Jesus did 2,000 years ago and how that was could affect my life today and so coming to god just as dan uh shared and uh having that steady influence having that steady communication with others about his own faith terrific 
Absolutely, and we're trusting that God's going to do what only God can do with uh, with, with our testimonies, and that somebody listening uh, or multiple multiple people listening are going to be impacted by that. And so, thank you, Dan, for that. And now we're going to head into one of my other favorite segments. Uh, Coach, can you take us into Coach's Corner? Well, great. Uh, you know, it's always uh, special. But you know, I thought today we might just do like a little devotional to challenge uh, uh, coaches or athletes' heart. Uh, maybe also, you know, there's a little challenge there, but maybe get, you know, something to consider and maybe uh, look in the mirror. Where am I on this issue? I was reading in in First uh, Chronicles, interestingly enough, and, you know, Solomon speaking here in First Chronicles uh, 29, I believe, verse 17. And, uh, you know, Solomon says, I know my God. He says, I know my God, see? And he says, he knows God will test my heart. He says, I know my God that you test the heart and that you are pleased with uprightness. I willingly give all these things with an upright heart. I know, he says, and now I have seen your people who are present here giving joyfully and willingly to you. The key here as I was reading this is, he says, I know my God, we know God. You know, we want to know the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to know our Father. And he says, and I know you test my heart. And as I was kind of meditating on that a little bit and thinking, my, as a, you know, previous years as a coach, as an athlete, and just talking to other coaches or to other athletes, in this verse, when Solomon's writing this, he's been experiencing the greatest time of his life. Untold riches and phenomenal success were part of his everyday life. Think about that. He was having nothing but success. Yet within that prosperity, Solomon says, his heart was tested. He knew that God is delighted by uprightness. He's, you know, he, 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 he knows this. Solomon knows this in his heart. He says, I knew that God is delighted by uprightness or integrity of heart. To be whole, you see, to be complete, Undivided in our heart's motives and desires is to have integrity of heart. Is that our character? See, it's a good question. Is that character being demonstrated in how we relate to our spouse, uh, coach? Is this how you relate to your team? Or is this how I participate as an athlete, as a competitor. Are our hearts full of integrity on our worst days? How about on your best day? See, some of us are tested by bad days and some are tested by good days. Do you respond the same way after a loss like you do after a win? See, let's do like Solomon. Let's pursue an undivided heart. Let's approach everything as a prayer of consecration to God. As coaches today, as athletes today, let's offer him all we have with integrity. And God will be delighted with our upright nature. That would make for a great day of competition if I was a coach or if I was an athlete, but it also be an ever it would also be even better life in Christ. See, God 
he's, his eyes are still going to and fro throughout the earth to strongly support men and women whose hearts are fixed on them. Let's have integrity of heart. Let's coach our teams. Let's compete as witnesses or as examples of who God is in our life. Let our life be a reflection of his grace. Coach, as always, that was awesome. Thank you so much. Coach's Corner never fails to provide wisdom. And I think between Coach's Corner and Dan's testimony, uh, we had a great podcast today. You know, Dan's testimony was one where there wasn't a huge transformation. There wasn't a other side of the tracks type story. But it was the story of somebody who has grown up in the faith, continued to walk in the faith, And he's just shown, he talked about just his dependency on the Lord and how he uh, finds his identity in that. And so we thank you so much, Dan, again. And one of the things that we talked about in the podcast was FCA, Fellowship of Christian Athletes. And if you've listened to any of the other podcasts that we've had, I've shared that I'm an area representative for Fellowship of Christian Athletes in Pennsylvania. And I know some of you have never heard of it. And so if you'd like to find out more information about FCA, what it is, what we do, log on to www.fca.org, and you can find all of your information there. Um, One of the ways, if you're interested in partnering with FCA, if you find out more about it and you realize, man, that's awesome. I want to help champion that ministry. We are a 501c3, so all of your support is tax deductible. And one of the ways that you can help champion this ministry is by financially supporting us. And so um, what that looks like is if everyone that listened to this podcast came alongside for $5 a month, the things that we could do with that money, the kingdom advancement that could happen with that money is exponential. Some of the ways that that money is used is we like to buy physical Bibles, and anyone that attends an FCA huddle, we want to provide an actual physical Bible for them. And so that's partially what, what your money would go towards. It would also go towards camps. There, FCA hosts a lot of incredible camps over the summer, and they're phenomenal. And when kids get there, their lives are transformed, and they encounter God in a way that they never have before. But unfortunately, sometimes financially kids can't afford to go there families can't afford to send their kids to go there and so some of what your financial support will help do is provide scholarships for those kids that have a desire to go to camp but just can't financially afford it and so um I would love for you to prayerfully consider about what a partnership with FCA looks like. Is it to financially champion the ministry, or is it just to pray? Is it just to pray that God will stir up in these hearts, in these student-athletes, to be leaders, to be change agents, to go into their hallways and truly turn dark hallways into light? And so I thank you for that. If you are interested in financially supporting us, go to my.fca.org backslash Mike Rubin, R-U-B-I-N. I'll have links to that in the show notes. Guys, we are so thankful for you joining us today. Uh, We trust that God is going to do incredible things with Dan's testimony in your lives. And so um, until next time, have a great day. Redbox Media Programming is brought to you by Jack Kane Ford. 
Find your next Ford Tough vehicle at KaneFord.com.